band was great, wasn't it? Good music. Amen, everybody. Yes. Very good. Thank you very much, John. Um, hey, um, if this is your first time here at Cornerstone, we just want to say thank you for coming. And uh, in front of you, there's a guest card. Fill that out for us. When the offering plate comes by later, please put that in there for us, okay? All right. Let's open our Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And you know, I was wondering, um, and I just, I just spent the week praying and asking the Lord, you know, you know, you know, Lord, what, what would you have, what would you, what would you have me to, you know, preach on our first Sunday in our, in our new building? And so He just led me right here to Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty-six, and 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 here it is, congregation. <clears throat> We're going to look at four, what four things that Jesus sees when He looks at people. And, you know, um, I, I marvel at, you know, the building and just, you know, what God did and how he did it. And I, I can't wait for the future. But I also understand that no matter what tool or, or what gift God gives us um, without the right vision about people, it's vain. Amen. It's, it's vain. We, we've, we've got to, we, we need to see people the way in which Jesus Christ sees people. And so I hope this morning, I pray this morning, my prayer's been this week is that we just get a vision about people and, and, and what it is that we do here as a congregation, as a local church, you know, or are we just here to just to, just to come and to rub elbows with each other, uh, to, to eat breakfast and to drink coffee and, 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 and whatever that may look like, or is it, or is it that we're supposed to come Come here and have a vision and go out and 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 reach people for Jesus Christ. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, it's 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 this is a great building, and, and again, um, we want to fill it up. And, and God has given us some great opportunities that we can that we can expand our ministries and we can fill this place up. Everybody say Amen. And so so it, so it interests me how, when when Jesus looks at people, what does he see? And so I, I want us to have the conviction, the vision that if we're at work, if we're outside watering our lawn, uh, whatever it is that we may be doing, how should we look upon people, right? How should we look at people? I think that's so important. So our Bibles open to, to our Bibles are open to Matthew chapter nine, and uh, let me say this this just just real quick. So um, so. So we spent a lot of time and thought in a lot of different processes of the building, and uh, I think most of it we, we got it right. But uh, but here's one thing you may not know is that uh, I picked out those chairs that you're sitting in, and so when I picked out those chairs, um, you know I, we we spared no expense. We got the most expensive chairs we could get. You see, when I went to pick out the chairs, the lady said, I said, well, what options do we have on the chairs? And she said, well, she says, we have, uh, we have, we have 30-minute sermon chairs, and they're this much money. Or you can upgrade, and you can go to a 45-minute sermon chair, and it's this much money. But she said, but then, you, but then we have this hour-and-a-half sermon chair that, is, that, that you can preach for an hour-and-a-half, and the people's rear ends won't hurt them, and they're this much money. And I said, give me those. <laughs> so these are one-and-a-half-hour sermon chairs. Are you ready? All right. <laughs> All right. So before we look at Matthew chapter 9 together, 
I want us to, I want us to, 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 to look at something. And, um, you know, the Bible is a book filled with meaning and blessings. Uh, don't, don't you just love the Word of God? I mean, it's God's infallible Word. And what it says is it's perfect and there's no mistake. But, but God's Word, it also reveals what God thinks and what He feels and what He sees. And it's, it, it reveals God. Look, if you want to know who God is, you don't have to go ask somebody. You just got to just read the Bible and pray to God and you can know who God is. Everybody say amen. And so when we read the Bible, it's filled with many great and wonderful things. But you know, there's one verse that's, um, that's hard and to read. It's, it's kind of disturbing. And it's, Psalms 142, verse 4. And um, you can read the first part of it, but, but look at where it says, where this man says that no man cared for my soul. So this passage has always bothered me because I believe that there are literally millions and billions of people who may feel this way. When this world stops and eternity continues, how many billions of people will there be that says no one cared for my soul? Yeah? It's a, it's a daunting verse. It's a, it's a haunting verse. You know, it's, it's safe to say that millions live in this world with no one to pray for them and no one to tell them about Jesus Christ and maybe even to live that Christian life and a Christian witness to them. I, I, I think that as Christians, we become complacent in our own life and in our walk with God, and we just, don't, we just don't look at our surroundings and see that there are people that just need to be prayed for, people that just need to be, to be spoke to, people that just need to be witnessed to. You know, they're Christians. They don't care about other people's souls. And what a contrast that is with our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he cares about souls. It was his passion for souls that brought him from heaven to earth. That motivated, listen to me, his every activity while he was there here on this earth for 33 years. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says that he came to seek and to save the lost. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, really get this. Listen, l- listen to this. It says, Jesus came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You, you see it? Even our Lord, he, he didn't come here. I mean, if anybody could have come here and should have been, had, had, the, had the idea that he should be ministered to, ministered to, it should have been God himself, right? But it says here in this verse that when he come, he didn't come for everyone to minister to him, but he come said he could minister to others, and that was to give his life a ransom for many. And if all of us that are, that are hell, hell, saved from hell and heaven bound, listen to me, it's because Jesus came to this world and he ministered, and he, and he gave his life a ransom so that we could have everlasting life. Amen? So what a contrast. While many people don't think twice about who they're standing next to, while many Christians don't think about um, the, the future of people, what a contrast that is to God, right? 
It was this passion for souls that propelled him to a cross where he gave his life to save the lost sinner. Romans chapter 5, it says, God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, it says, Christ died for us. Now look with me at Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. And I want us to look at this. And I want us to, I want us to see this morning again how, how Jesus looks at people. And, and Cornerstone, listen to me, please. Um, if we're going to get it right, it's got to start right here. We've we got to have a passion for people. And, and, and boy, we come here, and, and, and this is Sunday, and we come here to show God his worth, to praise him, and to honor him, and to give of, our, of, our, of ourselves to him. But it's also a time for us to get to hear the word, and so we can go out of here at, at 12.01 and be a witness for Jesus Christ. And so that when Monday rolls around, we can be a witness, and we can be, we can be propelled because of the gospel message. It's, we can go out on Tuesday, and then Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday. This is, this, here's how Jesus Christ himself looks at people, how he views people, and I think it is so telling. So we have four elements here of how he looks at people. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Um, Go ahead and look at verse 35. It's not on the screen, but this just puts this this text into context. Look at it. It says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages. Now, Now, so this is talking about his travels. Everywhere he went, every place he went, look at it. He says, he, says, um, he says he was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So everybody look. So here he is, he's going through all the villages and all the cities, and he's get, going into the synagogues, and he's, and he's preaching about the kingdom of heaven that was coming. He was preaching about himself. And so as he was in his travels, he, he, he saw something. He saw people. He saw people, and there's four elements that he saw about all these people. Four elements. I mean, he healed the diseased. He he healed he healed the people that was that was uh, afflicted with demons. And and there, but 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 everybody he came across, even the normal people, there were there were four elements that he saw that he saw when he looked across the people. And number one, the first thing I believe that he saw was that Jesus saw their separation from God. Look at verse 36. It says they were scattered abroad. Now these were talking about the Jews. And you know, they were supposed to be in their synagogues and they were supposed to be going to the temple and they were supposed to be having these sacrifices. But what he saw is that these people were scattered abroad. It says that, meaning it says that that they were outside the fold. In other words, there was no fellowship with other believers. Hey, listen to me. When, when people does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, when there, is the, when there is the unchurched people, the one thing we have to see about them is that they're scattered. And listen to me, that they're out of the fold, they have no fellowship. And that they're away from the shepherd, that means that there's no guidance and there's no protection. It means that they're away from home, no comfort and no rest. That they're apart from where they ought to have been. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it says that there's no hope in this world for those who do not embrace that covenant with Jesus Christ. They were scattered abroad. Jesus saw their separation from God. Hey, listen, here's the thing about people that people and sheep have in common. 
You know, Jesus often, often used the illustration of sheep as people. And, and, but here, here's one thing we know about sheep, is that sheep don't do well alone. You take, you take, a, you take a sheep, one, one sheep, and you put them out there by himself, it's not going to do very good. Hey, listen, guys. Um, people do not do good without fellowship with God. Can I have an amen? There's got to be fellowship. And so when we look at people, we've got we to understand that they're separated from God. They're separated from God. Number two. Number two, verse 36. Jesus saw their depravity or their corruption and sin. Notice what it says, that they were fainting away. Now, Jesus wasn't referring to a physical fainting, but he intended a deeper meaning, meaning that they were distressed and they were grabbing for anything and everything. And so when Jesus saw their depravity or their corruption and they were fainting away, and, 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 here's, and here's the way it works, Cornerstone, is that people are out there and they're without Jesus Christ. And you know what they do? You know what they do is they grab for anything. I mean, they're just, they're just, they're just collapsing about any little thing they can grab hold on to. And, and, but what they need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. When Jesus walked out there, he saw these things. He saw the different things they were grabbing and, and, and fainting to. But what they need is a true relationship with Jesus Christ. And listen to me, where the people are supposed to witness to him. Everybody say amen. And, and where to show him Christ. There are people out there who are separated from God. And there are people out there who are, who are depraved in their own sin because they don't. Look, the truth is they don't know any better. I mean, I mean, guys, do you remember two weeks ago what happened down by San Antonio? You know why that happened? Because of a man's depravity. I mean, look at David. Look at King David. Look at King David and Bathsheba. I mean, David knew better, didn't he? I mean, he, he's, he's riding his horse, and he goes by this place, and he sees the beautiful Bathsheba. And what does he do? He lusts in his heart, and he says, I've got to have her. That's King David. What, what are other people able to do? Do we see, we're, see the depravity? When Jesus saw people, he saw, that, he saw the depravity and the corruption that sin has in their life. And he had compassion upon them. And you know, the only way that they could get rid of that or be forgiven of that is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Look, when we see people understand that there is a sin that takes over their life, it took over David's life. I mean, think about us as Christians. Are we immune to sin? Absolutely not. Aren't you glad about grace and mercy? Praise God. Everybody needs that. And so, so as we come here on this Sunday and, and we're going to go out, let's, let's understand that people do some stupid things because they're depraved. And yes, some things are evil, but it's because it's depravity. Do we see it? Do we understand? Look at, look at Peter. I mean, didn't he have it all together? I mean, he walked with Jesus Christ himself for three years. And when it come time for him to step up, what did he do? What did he do? He fell three times. But he got it right, didn't he? Praise God. What about you? What kind of sin? What, how does sin have its hold on you? Look, all we're saying is, is, that, is that when we look at people, understand that uh, sin's got a hold on people. And, and we're to witness Christ because Christ is the only thing that can take care of that. Amen? Everybody? Amen? All right? So there's that depravity. Jesus saw their depravity or their corruption and sin. Psalms chapter 38 verse 4, it says, 
It says, the psalmist says there, David, he says, for my iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. <laughs> People need help with that sin problem. And, 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 and we're, not, we're, not, we're not option A or B or C. We are the only, God has chosen the church to be a witness to those people. These depraved people need to be reached by a compassionate Christian, not a judgmental Christian. Yes, we, yes, we can rationalize and yes, we know what is right and wrong, but we need to be compassionate in reaching the lost. Be compassionate in reaching the lost. They need, an, they need a shepherd. Listen to me. They need a shepherd. They need an under-shepherd. They need a church family. That's what they need. Everybody give the Lord a hand. People need a shepherd. People need a shepherd. They need, a under, they need a pastor. They need a family. They need a church family. And that's what Cornerstone has been established to do is be a church family in this place. Amen? So when Jesus looks at those, these are the things that he sees. Number three, Jesus saw their destiny, which their destiny was hell. Now he could he he could he could see the end from the beginning. He knew that apart from him they would all be in hell. You know I don't think there's any more clearer story about what hell's like than um, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You know um, Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. We're not going to read those verses, but but the story is is about there was this rich man. And, and, he, and he went to hell. Now, he didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he didn't believe in the one true God. And he was all about himself. He, wanted, he, he, he was all about himself and nobody else. He wouldn't even give poor old Lazarus the crumbs off of his, off of his, off of his table. And then the story is also about a guy named Lazarus, and he was poor. And the Bible says that, that he had sores all over his body, and, and, and it was so bad that the, the dogs would come and, and just lick his sores. But anyways, it says, it says that Lazarus died, and he went into a place called Abraham's bosom, which we know today that now Abraham's bosom was, was pre-Christ. When Christ, when the veil was rent, when Christ paid the price, Abraham's bosom is now in heaven with the Lord. But anyways, um, and so... So Lazarus went to be with the Lord, but this rich man, the Bible says he went to hell. Now, the Bible says that hell, that there is welling and there is gnashing of teeth. Even though Lazarus, he, 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 said, he, said, he, said, he said to Abraham, he said he could see, the Bible says he could see Abraham. And he, he, he said to Abraham, he says, uh, he says, Abraham, he says, just allow Lazarus, the guy with those sores, you see, allow Lazarus just to take the, the, the end of his finger and dip it into water and just to, and just to put it into, onto my tongue so it could cool the, the hotness in my mouth and and of course there is a the bible says that there was a gulf and that means that they couldn't go from one to the other you see but 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 the rich man was so perplexed and hell was so real and it was so awful that he he asked a- abraham he said hey would you would you would you would you would you raise up lazarus from the dead and let him go back and tell my brothers about hell and about heaven and of course abraham says you got you got you got the prophets and if you can't learn it from that he's not going to learn it from the resurrected person but look here's the point is is that there's a place called hell and jesus knows that every lost person goes to this place called Caused hell. And listen, that's not a good place to be. Everybody say amen. And look, Jesus doesn't want anybody to go there. But what about us? What about us? Sometimes I think we act as if we just don't care. 
You know, I, I don't. I was thinking about it this week, and um, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, that that there used there used to be so much evangelism and soul winning, you know, years and years ago, and and then it seems like Generation X come in and they kind of said, you know, um, we can do this better and we can do this different, and and today, you know, it's it's things are trickled down, but but listen, um, evangelism and soul winning never gets too old. Everybody say Amen. Because because their destiny is a place called hell. And so as a church, when we look at people, we got to understand that they're not just a person. They're a person. If they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they're going to go to a place of hell. And look, there's no second chances after that. It's permanent. It's, it's forever. So Jesus saw their destiny. You know, it's, it's easy to, to, to water it down. It is easy just to fold up. But I say that we just got to get a vision and have a passion and understand people's destiny. And then lastly, um, Jesus saw their despair without a shepherd. Well, next to the last one. Jesus saw their despair without a shepherd. They were without a shepherd. And the blessings of the church and of the saved and the prayer and the companionship and the peace and the joy and the rest and all the satisfaction, it wasn't there. And our duty as believers is to tell them is to tell them about Jesus. And our hearts ought to be broken because the world doesn't know our Savior. And there's plenty to go around. And then lastly, this is it in verses 37 and 38. Jesus saw his disciples could make a difference. You see, he said, he said, he said, look out unto those people. Jesus places three responsibilities on the shoulders of his peoples. And here's what they are. They're not on the screen for you. But number one, he tells us to visualize, to visualize. Write that down. He tells us to visualize. In other words, he says, see the harvest. He says, recognize not everyone is saved and millions are poised on the edge of everlasting damnation. That's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, hey, listen, church, um, you got to visualize that not every person is saved and that hell is real and heaven is real and the gospel of Jesus Christ is real. And so we have to visualize that people without Christ are going to die and go and be in in damnation and go to hell. You got to visualize that, he says. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says this, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then second thing that he tells us to do, our responsibility is to agonize. Notice what he says. He says, he says pray. He says pray. And this is a call to be broken and burdened over the plight of the lost. Hey, when's the last time we got broken over the lost. I, 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 wonder, I wonder when the last time was that we shed a tear for a lost person. I, 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 I truly ask this. When's the last time we actually prayed for someone that we knew was lost? Let me let me let me ask you this. When was the last time, perhaps? And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Again, I think it's easy to get complacent, but but we got to put the main thing, the main thing. Everybody say Amen. But but when's the last time that you just had a special prayer time in your prayer closet with the Lord, and you just you just said, Lord, there are millions and millions of people 
who, who are lost and they don't know you. And God, I just lift them up to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that through missionaries and through other people and through me, that God, people will be saved. Hey, when's the last time we've done that? You see, we, we've got to be broken about lost people. We've got to be broken about those that are lost and that are without Christ. We've got to be broken about those who are saved but are unchurched. We've got to be broken about those that God's broken about. We've got to have God's heart on this and not our own heart on this. Everybody, we got to, we got to, <laughs> this is how God sees. And, and listen, Jesus, Jesus knew this. He, he, he saw that the disciples were the answer, that they could go out and evangelize these people. And guess what they did? They reached their whole known world at that time. Wasn't that wonderful and great? And we can do the same thing. I mean, we're fortunate here at Cornerstone in our faith promise, in our faith promise missions, we have 34 missionaries that we support worldwide. And there's, and there's thousands and a hundred thousand more missionaries that we don't support, but they're out there reaching people. We got to be praying for them. I mean, we've got to see people how Jesus sees people. It matters because one day it's all going to be over and the only difference between eternity in hell and the eternity in heaven is Jesus Christ. And we have the responsibility. So it should be, it should, we, we, should, we should visualize and we should agonize. And then lastly, we should evangelize. It's not enough to see the need, nor is it enough to pray for them and to be concerned for their souls. But Jesus desires that each of us do the work of an evangelist. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It's kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> but we all have that responsibility. You see, all of us here this morning, we've, we've, we, we, when we got saved, we just didn't just get a hell out of free card. We, 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 got, we got a mandate from Jesus, and that's to share the gospel with other people. God has given us a, a beautiful building, and, um, you know, I think we have a hundred and... 75 chairs set up in here, and we can get about 260 in here. And uh, I say we pull them out and we fill it up. Everybody say amen. But you know, we've, we've got to have a passion for people. And, and, and just like Jesus, when he came, he didn't come to be ministered to. So as a church, we take our gifts and we take our talents and we get a passion for the lost. That's the only way, that's the only way God's going to bless this thing, is if we make the main thing the main thing, and that's not ourselves. It's not what we had and what we lost, but it's what we have and what we're going to do with it for the glory of Jesus Christ. Again, I, I know that um, we kind of we miss the old building over there, and, and uh, I don't like change that much myself. I've got I to gotta sometimes have my wife kick me in, in the ribs to get me going, but I know one thing, that this gift is from God. And uh, we're, we, we're grateful for it, and we're not going to let our God down. We're going to make people um, the focus. We're going to make people the focus, and our mission is to see people saved. I mean, uh, we're going to set some goals, and, and we, we want to see people saved and baptized. And we we want to see people saved from hell, right? Well, your pastor can't do it alone. And the staff and the pastor, you don't pay them to do it for you. Did you know that? A lot of people act like they don't know that. But we're the church. We're a team. We're to reach the lost for Jesus Christ.
We're to see them just like Jesus see them, that they're separated from God, right? See that, that, that the, the, the destruction of what sin has done in their life, we're to see those things, and we're to see that, that there's an answer, that God sees us, his disciples, to reach them. That's what he sees when he looks at people. What are we going to do about that? That's the question. Let's all stand and, and, um, and let's close out this morning. Let's just bow our heads for a minute and just ponder on this. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to say this, that if there's someone here this morning that's never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and I know we kind of preached um, to our people, but I want you to know that if you don't know for sure that you're saved this morning, that you've never bowed your heart and repented of your sins and trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and that you don't have a personal relationship with Him, yeah, you know the name Jesus, but you know that that don't get you nowhere knowing the name of Jesus. Um, but if, if, if you don't know for sure that you're saved, I'm, we're, we're praying right now that the Holy Spirit will just convict your heart and your mind, and, and, and you come and, and walk up to this altar this morning and let one of us show you how you can have hope and peace and joy even in this world today. And for the rest of us, what are you doing to keep men and women out of hell? What responsibility do you have? God's plan is that his people bear the good news to this dying planet. And our job is the greatest job the world has ever known. If we can reach but one for God, then you've altered eternity for someone. Perhaps you need to come before the Lord and confess to Him that you haven't witnessed and that you haven't made it a priority. Perhaps there is a name on your heart that lays there like a lead weight. Bring it to Him this morning. You see, it, it, it starts with seeing the need, remember? To visualize it. To agonize over it. And then to do something about it. See the harvest. Pray ye therefore. And go out and tell. Father, we love you this morning and we thank you for Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for this uh, beautiful building and um, our, our first service here. And, and Lord, 
here this morning, we want to unite together and just and just um, put the past and the and the put, put the past away, and Lord, the, the non-essentials and just put them away, and 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 Lord, and just all get together and to agree and to unify on the very fact that there is a certain way that we need to see people. And Lord, I pray that, that as you see people, that you see us. And Lord, that you'll use us and just convince us, Lord, to, to, to how we look at people and, and how we can visualize and, and Lord, and, and how, we can, how we can agonize and how we can evangelize. Lord, I pray that we'll just make the main thing the main thing, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, unite us, um, use us, and use this place to glorify thee, O Lord, not ourselves but you, God. May you be glorified in everything that we do and and say and how this beautiful place is used. And Lord, I pray that you'll just uh, bring us to the altar, Lord, and just convince us for those, Lord, that are lost and that are without you. Let us agonize over them this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we give the invitation.